Hi, I'm Mel Binion, the executive producer of Question Everything. And before that, I was always a music producer. With this series, we're going to look into the strenuous process of creating music, songwriting, arranging, tracking, editing, mixing, and most importantly, mastering, all help turn a single idea into a Grammy-winning song. This is the element of music with Ivy Alex. This is Elemental. So great to have you on today. Thank you for having me. So you studied film scoring at Berkeley, singer, songwriter, producer, pianist, flautist, you do everything. I'm so I'm so excited to have you on today. Thank you. Thank you for that. Oh, oh my yeah. gosh, I do all those things. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> do them all very well, too. Well, thank and like you. The, and the first time I saw you, I remember it was at a hotel cafe where you were playing in a, on the second stage, uh, piano, just piano voice and both are incredible on its own. And then I just remember, cause we had a little, a little small interaction after you got off stage. Cause like, I never get like nervous around celebrities. Like I'm around celebrities all day, but it's like when I see a musician that I really like, then I like just don't know what to say. So like once you walked past me, I was like, uh, I, I, I think I just said something like, I like your hair. And you said, it's a wig. And it was like a it purple. It was a wig. Yeah, it was a purple wig. <laughs> I was just like so ready to tell you it was a wig. I don't know oh, why. <laughs> it was like the way you said it, it was like, she's going to be a star someday. Because like she has that, already has like that. You know, really? that, that. Won't say it like an attitude, but not like in a negative way, but like charisma. Okay. Your, yeah, or swag or whatever they would in the way you said it. So, like, it literally always, <laughs> oh my like, God. I always remembered that interaction. Yeah. Mel, that's awesome. Thanks, thanks for bringing me back, man. I love <laughs> that wig was special because at the time I had really long hair and... Um, yeah, that, that wig was short and curly and I was ready to tell people it's my, it's a wig. It's my wig. Yeah. You have to be burning <laughs> up under there. <laughs> oh man. I was wearing glitter. I'll tell you, Mel, first of all, thank you for saying all those kind things to me. Yeah. Wow. Thank you. Um, you know, I'm an artist, so, you know, we're artists are very sensitive and usually in their feels a lot, like to their detriment. Yeah. And, um, and it usually turns say, into hair color changing and and a lot of other stuff. Very symbolic, yeah. very symbolic of the, the vibe. And um, I think the reason why that moment was is probably hazy to me is because right before that performance, um, just being completely vulnerable and real with you, I was at like my lowest point I've ever been. And I don't know if you remember, but I had glitter like underneath my eye. I had, I made a stylistic artistic choice to put a bunch of like glitter to yeah. make it look like I was crying tears, but that was because oh, wow. my eyes were so puffy from crying. And that, uh, that was a way that I was like covering it up. And that performance was so cathartic for me because I just like, I 
I let it all out on the stage that like, I think I blacked out a little bit to be honest, (laughs) (laughs) but you know, what's crazy is like some of my, some of the best, uh, people in my music circle who have been supporting me since that day and vice versa. I met through that show when I was like my most raw and, uh, like, yeah, just in a, in a place. In a place. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's something about like, every time I go to the second stage, it's like, literally I, that's the only place I want to meet artists. Like, cause like, like we're speaking the same language already and you know, yeah. we're, we're fighting the same struggle the same hustle yeah like we're almost rooting for each other yes yes la is like that oh my god and like i know that like if you're performing at the second stage you're already like uh i know they already only book people that are at a certain level so yeah there's definitely a lot of really good writers come through there yeah are you ready to get straight into it let's get into it all right. Uh, the first question I always ask everyone is, uh, what is creativity to you? Mm. Yeah. So creativity to me is uh, transmuting emotions into something either tangible or um, a piece of art, whether it be food, uh, a story, poem, an arrangement of flowers, even, um, the way you decide to rearrange your room is creativity. You know, creativity is taking chaos and transmuting it into something, uh, beautiful in whatever sense that is. So that's what creativity is to me. Well, that sounds great. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, how did you exactly get started in music? Um, I guess it, you know, uh, I was playing piano. I was like playing melodies, like twinkle, twinkle, little star at three. So my parents oh, heard wow. that. Yeah. Yeah. I was pretty, pretty young. They were like, oh, she's got the ear. You started a little bit before me. How dare you? <laughs> I started at 10. <laughs> at 10? Yeah. What was your instrument? Piano and then a uh, clarinet. Really? Okay. Okay. Awesome. Piano and then flute. Now, did you, why did you do clarinet though? Uh, at the time, my, uh, my late uncle, he, uh, he wanted me to join the band. He played piano at church, but, uh, okay. So it was like, I had to pick an instrument and I just thought the word clarinet sounded cool. So I just, I don't know. I just picked it up. I was nine years old. So I appreciate the honesty in that decision because I also had to learn uh, an instrument that wasn't piano for concert band in yeah. in Catholic school. And I saw a girl playing the flute and I thought it looked, she looked like a fairy. And I was like, yeah, I want to do that. You know, that <laughs> oh, like yeah. was, it was so, but clarinet like, jazz. I never, I never knew what a clarinet even sounded like. It was like, I'll just take that one. <laughs> that Well, that's, it's got a really nice sound with the oh, reed. Yeah. Oh yeah. I heard some jazz clarinet in Spain. I just like ended up at a festival and um, yeah, I heard some jazz clarinet. I was like, Oh, you never hear jazz clarinet. You only hear, you know, sax or, you know, you know, stuff like that. Rarely flute ever, but yeah, clarinet's nice. 
Yeah. Nice. Piano, piano. I got started at three and um, my dad's a guitarist. So he, I think that's where the music came from that side of the family. And yeah. then they pushed for me to play, continue to play piano since I already was drawn to it, you know? Okay. So just going through, going through your childhood, you just played the two instruments and did you join a band or anything? Uh, I played, well, my, they, they saw that I was able to sing as well as play. So once my piano teacher saw that he, he and my dad both pushed for me to continue that because a lot of people can just play one thing at a time. And, and they were like, that's, you're not a dime a dozen guitarist. Like you gotta go with that and keep writing. So I was, yeah. So I was a writer and I was writing songs, singing and playing and then um, my parents had me switch schools for a music program, specifically at this Catholic school that had an incredible band. And um, they were like, yeah, you got to pick up another instrument. <laughs> <laughs> so flute, I started playing flute at like 14, I think it was. Okay. Yeah. So throughout high school. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah middle school and high school. And then, but but I think piano was always home for me. Like I'm an only child. Um, I always had dogs to play with, but at a lot of the times I uh, felt, felt creative and wanted, had that need to transmute emotions or words that I would maybe be expressing with somebody into something that I could just amuse myself with. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure you get that. Oh yeah. Uh, so were there like any inspirations, like any, inspirational figures besides your dad who played uh music uh any artists that you latched on to follow closely like while you were when I was growing up yeah okay oh I like that question um they grew me up on Bob Marley a lot and uh Stevie but my mom played a lot of like Sade Alicia Keys, Nora Jones. Go. Yeah. Of course so, she did. Of course she did. <laughs> she, she's a British woman. She's she's yeah. very u- a unique individual. Um, and her music taste was very much like the sultry female. Like almost neo soul, yeah. You know. Yeah, I could definitely hear that in in like some of your records too. Yeah. It comes out. Yeah. Right. It comes that's definitely gotta be um it, an inspiration you know even subconscious so right. um but really uh it really depends because like I can be su- I, I'm very moved by Led Zeppelin Led Zeppelin moves me it just they just move me yeah. They're powerful it's so raw it's not perfect um but also like, you know, the Bob Marley aspect, his songwriting is his lyrics are like preaching. Um, I love that. Um, yeah, I think I just, it depends. I like how music, different styles of music can just like put you in a mood, you know, they just yeah. put you somewhere like a book. You can always find the perfect song for whatever mood you're, you, you want to be in. Yes. Yeah. So, and of course, and I'm a very moody human. So 
having music to translate my moods is is the best thing in the world. Oh, nice. Yeah, I see you do you usually do something like on like on social media where you play something and to ask people what what they hear or see. Yeah. Like I don't know if I ever respond right, but I I like give like a whole novel of what I see. I mean, like, that's it's so natural. It's yeah. so natural to do that like on on the subject of like the you know, things moving you. I do remember in high school, I used to have a Walkman and I would burn CDs off of LimeWire. Oh yeah. Remember LimeWire? Absolutely. <laughs> they 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 came after me. They came after me because I was pirating a lot. And, uh, <laughs> but I burnt this whole CD of like film score soundtracks. I think like the Peter Pan soundtrack was on there. Alice in Wonderland. Um, J James Newton Howard random stuff from like M Night Shyamalan was on there. Tim Burton's uh uh Danny Elfman. Like I was yeah. just I loved that like being transported to a world you cannot help but visualize, right? Like you can't help but visualize things. Oh, absolutely. It's just a fun and that's just been like a fun concept um when I don't want to sing or have have anything to say necessarily and it's just all in an instrumental piano bit, I ask other people what they see. And it's really interesting, Mel, because people will say the same things. Like you'll have people that will talk about autumn and fall yeah. and the different colors. And then central park is a really big theme, nostalgic views of, you know, a man standing by the bridge and remembering lost love or, you know, and it's, it's just really interesting to hear people's right. interpretation of your creation. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I remember a couple of years back, it was like, I know you, you mentioned colors in one of them, seeing colors. It was like, I looked up that there was a formula for like colors to sound. Oh. So like, uh, like middle C was green like the color green or C6 was green. I can't remember which one, but there was like a absolute equation where each note like was a different color. That's like, like synesthesia so, a little bit, right? Yeah. So I was like wondering if like, if people naturally see those colors, like when they hear the music. That is interesting. I wonder, I bet we could, I bet I could go back to the comments and see those specific comments on those songs and see what keys the songs are in yeah. and whether or not they correlate with that map. Because yeah. I I have met a man, his name is Kyle Cummings. He's a dueling pianist, rocker guy, and yeah. he has synesthesia. So he'll say, oh yeah, D is usually like black. Like I see the color black in like a D chord. Okay. I know. I'm like, and then he'll say like, you know, F is yellow, like an F chord. And, and he's like, sometimes when I'm, I'm reading, like I'm reading, it says D, but I don't see D. Like I see a different color, you know? Yeah. It's yeah. so cool. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy to think about, but uh, I'll take a break right here and pause for hopefully our sponsors. But if not, we'll be right back in a second. <laughs> All right. Love it. 
All right, I want to jump straight into your process of how you make music because, like, I I love your music, so I want to know uh, when you have an initial first thought. You know, where does it go? Do you start with the melody? Do you start with lyrics? Do you start with like arranging? Where where does your first thought take you? Okay, well, thank you for listening to my music. By the way, that's really <laughs> amazing. Um. Because I, really, I make music because I have to. Um, oh, I don't yeah. know if you feel the same. Oh, absolutely. Like, I have to make music, but it's like I never release anything. So it's like I'm getting on myself now about, like, releasing everything. Yeah. Okay, well, and I'll ha I have a few words about that, too. <laughs> um, just for a little bit of inspiration, because I, I think we all need it need it sometimes right yeah um but yeah the you're a pianist so i wonder i wonder if you're the same um usually i like to like go to chords first so and you know you have muscle memory in your hands when you play a certain instrument so sometimes you like to go to a certain note or chord first yeah yeah like i i really like to be on e flat g flat E randomly. Yeah. I, I like where that feels. Apparently E is yellow. I saw that too. E is yellow. Yeah, I'm usually but, uh, uh, I'm usually C major or I do a I do a F sharp minor, but with a uh with a natural D, I think. Ooh. So it gives it a different sound. Oh, I like that. That's that's one of my go-tos when I wanna just ruin everybody's life. I love it. I love that dissonance that, yeah. The, yeah, I hear it. The C sharp to the D. I yeah. love dissonance, but also that could be not to nerd out, but that could be a first inversion D major seven, Oh yeah. you know, I, F sharp, I, A, C sharp, D. Oh my God. That's, it's beautiful. No, because that's a feeling, right? So like yeah. you take a feeling that you have and I, I guess there's a sacred moment when I sit down at the piano and go, I'm going to play whatever I want. There's a definite moment of like, okay, there's a moment of sacredness. I need to meditate. It's like my meditation time and I'll play a chord and just pick another one. I'll just pick another chord, usually a few chords away from it. And I won't go, you know, if I'm starting off an F sharp minor, I won't usually go to E. Yeah. I'll usually maybe go to D or C sharp minor, you know, something. Okay. I'm feeling this way. No, I'm feeling this way. Where am I going to go from that, that, that place? And I create core, a chord structure that resembles my mood of how I'm feeling. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And I just kind of like play on that, play those chords around, you know, structurally, like maybe four chords over and over. And then I add a melody line. It's usually a hum. I usually don't have words. It's usually gibberish. Yeah. And, and then I try to keep the rhythm of what, what I've made mel melodically the rhythm and put words to the rhythm. And sometimes it's not perfect, but that's okay. Um, and then it goes into the chorus. So. Oh yeah. I was telling, uh, I drew on the last episode that it was like I always start from the end because like a lot of my 
a lot of my inspiration comes from like gospel music. So it's like I always love like the worship songs at the end of the song. Like, yeah, that's like, the most powerful yeah. part of the song. Oh yeah, so it's like as soon as I get in that mood, it's like I know I have a song right there, and then I just work my way backwards. And yeah, and then you write the story up until then. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. I yeah, gospel music is so moving. Oh my god, it's so moving. Yeah, but I think that's that's usually my creative process is like doing a doing a couple chords and then creating some melody atop of it. And then if I really like the groove and the vibe, I'll stay on it. If I don't, I'll move on to another idea and like come back to it another day. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, um, so when you get that initial idea, start fleshing it out. Uh, it's time to start thinking about like arranging everything. And like, I know that you're a producer too. So like, what do you do first? Cause like normally I, like I lay all the piano parts first and all the strings first because it's like that's what's carrying the mood for me. And then I'll just add stuff. Yeah. Are you are you the same way or? Yeah. Yeah. Piano first because piano is the orchestra. Like you have everything there. So if you, if you do the piano first, you have your that's your baseline, in my opinion, yeah. because you have your chords, you have the bass and you have your highs. So you lay that down first and then um, I like to put drums on it, but um, sometimes I am filling it out with other parts. But uh, yeah, if I do the piano and the drums and then create the bass line after so it can weave in between and then, you know, you know, high flutes or something or harmonies, I'll do that. But sometimes if I have the vocal line and I'm like, oh, I got to do a harmony, I got to do another harmony. You know, it's just that flow. Oh, yeah. But yeah, I do like to do the piano part first all the way out. And I'm the kind of person who likes to write a song in completion when I start. It doesn't, it feels like I haven't been respectful to the to the creation if I walk away from it before it's done. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh so do you have like any tips for people like when you're tracking stuff like piano or vocals or or anything that you're adding to the to the song to complete it? Okay. Um I would love to give tips, but I, I don't really think of myself as... Well, not tips, but some practices that you, you try to do. Okay, okay. Yeah, because I have so I have so far to go as a producer. I'm, yeah. My mixing skills are like little to none, but I, uh, I try. I have, zero, I have zero engineering skills. It's like... I'm not an engineer. I want to be one day. That's one thing I wish I would have did immediately. It was like engineering. It was Dude, like, same. I would I would be working nonstop here in LA for everybody. Uh, for real, for real. And this is, yeah, speaking on that, that is a trip up. And I guess that would be my piece of advice is to learn how to engineer. <laughs> so you yeah. do it all yourself. Like, I think, I, you know, going, I went to Berkeley in 2011 and 2012 and I went for film scoring because I said, I don't need to learn how to write songs. I need to learn the ins and outs of the programs that I'm using. 
Yeah. And, um, you know, I dropped out because it just wasn't for me. I wasn't as dedicated as I should have been. And, um, to this day, like watching the world go through the pandemic and, um, watching music go from being in the studio to, you know, doing it all from your home. That is also something that I wish that I would have been more learned in, but I can always grow, you know, I will become a better engineer, but I would say that, um, your sounds are really important. Like I have, I, I really researched piano plugins, uh, yeah. for logic before I settled on one that really felt like me and representative of the music I wanted to make. I didn't go for something that I was like, Oh, I've heard that before. Um, I just want to make music like J views, you know, or whoever, because I want something to res to sound good in the style that I play. Yeah. Right. So I found this plugin. Um, it's called noir n-o-i-r-e noir piano and yeah. this yeah this guy tested 85 grand pianos before That's he ridiculous. hello that is dedication <laughs> Mal, yeah. right he 85 already i was hooked i'm like oh, who is this guy and he puts like 25 microphones on the piano and even gets the felt picked up and you can wow. adjust the level of felt. You can adjust the levels of the, of how much pedal you're audibly hearing uh, of the pianist at the, you know, just like yeah. really. And it's a beautiful, like nostalgic, uh, warm sound. And I put my spin on it and I'll do like uh, Valhalla reverbs and like just some things to make it a little bit more ethereal and brighter. Yeah. And, and that's, how I'm creating um, these instrumental albums. So I would really say go for things that represent you, like sounds that represent how you want to sound. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Go for the sounds that compliment yourself. Don't. And yeah. Don't try to sound like somebody just because you like, how they sound oh, that yeah. doesn't necessarily mean you're going to sound like that, you know? Yes. Yeah. I learned, I learned immediately. It was like, I, I know my productions don't sound like Timbaland. Cause like, I love, I love focusing on the orchestra. It yeah, honestly Timbaland is, is like, heavy on, on those 808s. He's heavy yeah. on the 808s and just, and his, his bass, like he really, he really focuses on the bass, on the low end. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I feel you in the orchestra. You want you want the highs too. You want Yeah, I want to hear all that high stuff going on. I usually like hire like like some string composers to work with me to nice help bring it out. But uh yeah, it's like like I know like what my lane is. Yeah. So it's like it's just understanding your sound and what you're trying to do with it to pick the best instrument to go with that. Yeah. I think that's important. I mean, and you could also test things like there's arcade. So like arcade has uh, so many libraries of sounds that you can just mess around with for like eight bucks a month or something and uh, figure out out of all of these genres and, and library packs that they have, Oh, where, well, where, what do I actually like to sound like, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah. So, uh, like, when you're going in, is there anything you do to help prepare, like, whatever engineer you're working with for the mix, like, vocally or with your instruments when you're tracking them? Well, I really... Yeah, I do. I'll explain that, you know, I want, I usually want a warm sound, but not too many mids. So it, it really depends on the setting. So if I'm, if I'm recording at my house, just like on, on Logic Pro, I'm using a blue microphone that's already very clean and clear, the Bluebird. Yeah. And yeah, it's very clear. Um, it's, it's been great. And I'll, run it through a level of ozone, um, nectar three, and there's, they have all these presets. So I'll usually do a like brighter vocal preset and then add, um, a little bit of, uh, reverb to it. Of course, I don't like delay. I like reverb because I'm already okay. a little bit behind the beat. Um, so, and I, I always tell engineers like, please don't, auto tune too much like pitch correction because oh yeah um i i purposely like cover my imperfections stylistically yeah. so if i'm flat i'll usually slide up i do a lot of slides yeah. and that's an intentional yeah and it's like i do i never any any person i record i never use like the the T Pain thing. I don't even know what it's called anymore. Auto auto tune. I don't use any auto tune. It's like I go in and correct the notes individually and just listen to the performance to see if like that was intentional or not to know if I, I'm going to keep it because like you want some of those imperfections in the in the song because it it makes it sound much better. Let, there you go with Led Zeppelin. So yeah. if I, th I think about it, Led Zeppelin and Hiatus Coyote are my favorite bands in the world ever. And Napalm of Hiatus Coyote barely even uses reverb, let alone any type of pitch correction at all. Her voice yeah. is glorious in its imperfections and, and elsewhere. And I think... Um, it's really nice to hear clean, beautifully perfect pitch vocals, but that is not me and that is not what I am trying to say. So even if I do make a choir, if I make my voice into a choir of, you know, different pitches, harmonies, I'll make that really nice and I will pitch correct it a little bit. I'll clean it up just a little bit. So it sounds bright and shiny, but that vocal coming through needs to, for me personally, be a bit raw yeah. and soulful. Yeah. Or else it's not me. Now I do, I, I'm working with this guy, Juan, and uh, he, he goes by Laguna and he's a producer and he does a lot of Tropic Wave stuff. Oh, nice. Yeah, he's fun. He's so fun to work with. He'll be like, hey, I made this beat and I'll just sing over it. He cleans it up, put polishes it and puts it out. And sometimes it doesn't sound like me, but it sounds gorgeous. It sounds be beautiful. Yeah. And, and I let I let it go because how he edited my voice sits in the song so well 
that's how it's supposed to be. And I, I give creative leniency there because that we're doing justice to the song. Right. Right. But in my originals um, and my covers and whatnot, I want you to hear my grittiness, my imperfections, um, just polished a little bit. Yeah. So, yeah. I always, and, I, I always told everyone is like, cause I want to feel like it's a live performance almost. Yeah. It's like, if it doesn't sound like you when you're singing it live, then yeah. why should I listen to it? You And as a live performer, I want the opportunity to sound better than the record as well. Yeah. You know, I would really like that opportunity to give people a moment in real life where me and my ba band sound better than we did in the studio. Like, and yeah. they're there for that moment. Like, yeah, I don't think it's necessary to beleaguer a recording to get it perfect. I think the idea of recording something, especially live, is to capture a mood and a moment. Yeah. You know what? That I'm definitely going to... I'm just going to share this with you. This is not going to ever see social media. I, uh, Hallie, uh, Haley, Haley's song, Angel. You know, Haley and Chloe Bailey. Beautiful, yeah. The song is so beautiful, but then I heard her sing it live, and she doesn't sing the fourth angel ever when she performs it live. So it's like you're taken away from the song. It's, it almost makes it sound like the song was engineered. If you can't like, if you can't sing that part live, because like, I was like, maybe she's just waiting to the end to sing it, which like, I've never heard her sing the fourth angel live. That's interesting. Yeah. That is so interesting. You say that because when I heard it, I did think about her performing it live and I was like, I would pass out. Oh yeah. Because it's like, I can't, I can't count the amount of things that I probably broke in my, in my neck trying to sing that last part. <laughs> It, but uh, isn't it a beautiful up. song? Yeah. Oh, it's absolutely that, that last beautiful. one that she goes yeah. to, the very last. Oh, it, that is interesting, though, isn't it? When you hear a song, that's like, well, I, I'll take it back to Heidi's Coyote, the song Red, a red room. I got a red room. Na, 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 yeah. And her voice sounds like me because they had just been performing and they recorded it at like two in the morning and her voice is all gra gravelly and like, the last chorus, it like, it sounds gravelly. And upon the first time I heard it, I was like, oh, she decided to keep that in. But every time I listen to it, I'm like, she a rock star. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Supposed to be like that, you know? Yeah. So uh, when is a song done for you? Like, after you get through the whole process, when when do you stop editing and say it's a finished project? Mm. I I have to put a time limit on myself because um, I could add to things forever, but I'll usually walk away from a song or an album for a couple weeks. And it's very natural. I'm, I'm not planning on doing that. Usually there's things I want to add, but I need a break. I, yeah. I go, I go with that flow intent, like whatever's guiding me to take a break from it. And I come back and listen to it. And if the idea is beautiful as it is, minus all the other fluff I was going to put on it, I, I say, all right, leave it alone. Um, and then 
And then it's ready to go after I mix it a little bit and run it through several different masterings. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I had this thing happen for one of the songs that I'm releasing next year. Uh, Alexia sings it. And I had uh, uh, Chris Angeles actually wrote it. Uh, she's a folk singer out here, too. Uh, well, we technically co-wrote it because I just coached her on like what I needed from the song, but she basically did it. But it's like the song ended up being like amazing piano from uh, Lola Christine, and then uh, had Paul Reddle acoustic guitar and Alexia's voice, and those three alone was like sounded perfect the way it was. But like I just still kept adding stuff like drums and bass and like but do we really need all of that yeah so it's like i kept going back to the just the three-piece like song and knew that that was enough did you did you um i'm just curious once it's in your hands and you're doing all this do you ever go back and ask them hey do you like it this way or what do you think do you ever ask or do you just sit with it uh I usually share it with the artist er, like every every edit that so they'll hear it from start to finish like okay. when I add another instrument or not but uh yeah I think like Alexia said the same thing it's like it still sound like the other instruments didn't add that much to it to yeah you know yeah you know the to, to necessarily need them yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I I think it's so important to leave your ego out of music because it's not about how much you can do. It's how it, there's there need there has to be a sacredness for the song itself. Like is the message of the song is the feeling of the song getting across without this. If you add this, does it add another level? Does it add another layer like you know, yeah, you really do have to look at it like a painting. But that's the cool thing about music versus a painting. You can't remove a layer of paint. <laughs> oh, yeah. You stuck with it. It's... Yeah. Yeah. I could edit my my editing process. I could edit all day, but uh, there's no point. Like I my album Buddha was complete improv songs just made up on the fly. No click. Same, same with um, this next album I'm releasing. No click track, me and the piano. Oh, that makes me nervous. <laughs> no click track. <laughs> I know, I know. And I had to get over that too, because in music world, everybody wants a BPM. Everybody wants to be able to put stuff, you know, remix yeah. it, whatever. And I just don't care. It's not like, I literally don't care. I love music. I love the music industry, but like, I cannot, my creative process did not hold me to, Oh, you got to be in the lines. I cannot, I can't. If I yeah, have a, it's, it's great having like two different projects. Like Buddha was like all instrumental. And then like it, it definitely sounds a lot different than your the other songs that you do. Like dreaming or yeah. serenade me where, yeah, it's yeah. like actual, or it, uh, it is like you know yeah, a drummer. Is it called waterfalls? Or yeah. waterfalls? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Neo soul, completely different because yeah. 
I'm moody. I have different moods. That's why. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's why I use other artists to convey my moods. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So I don't look like the crazy one. <laughs> hey, I know. Thank God I, I'm with somebody who embraces my crazy. He's also a uh, musician. So <laughs> thank God, because we're a lot. Artists are a lot. Oh, absolutely. In the best way. <laughs> so we'll take one more break. and. Uh... So if you can go back and give yourself any advice, uh, what would that be? Hmm. Oh my gosh. It's supposed to be quick, but I, I really have to think about it. Oh my God. Um, well, of course you see, you already said you would learn uh, more about the engineering side. Oh my God. Yes, please. Consistency. I would say girl, get it together and stay consistent. Post your music all the time. I swear to God. <laughs> I, like, really? Like, Give me another song, please. <laughs> I, I know. It's like, it's a matter. What is a matter? I'm like, let's get it together. Be consistent. Yeah. I'm learning. Don't, don't we all learn? <laughs> yeah. Stay consistent. Oh, okay. And uh, what do you have coming up next? I have a new album coming up and I would like to believe now that it will be out in December. Um, it is an instrumental piano album. Uh, it is not named at the moment. Um, however, all the songs are named. There are about 12 songs and yeah, there'll be some flute, some piano, but it's, uh, it's like Buddha 2.0. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Can't wait to hear it. No, oh, thanks. So uh just uh that's all the questions I had for you. So uh just let everyone know where we can find you and find that music. Well, thank you, Mel, for this interview. It was really awesome to talk about the creative process. Oh yeah. And um always good to talk to a fellow producer and artist. And I'm in Nashville now. I just moved here about a week ago. And so y'all can find me here. Howdy. Um, but you can find me at Ivy Alex Music on Instagram, TikTok, Ivy Alex on Spotify, Apple Music, and YouTube. Oh, perfect. This has been Elemental with yours truly, Mel Binion, a.k.a. Amelio. Be sure to follow the podcast, like and subscribe, and tune in next time when we go deeper into the elements of music with another guest.